Partner. My name is Oates and I'm here with my partner Garrison Hardy and we're excited to have you guys. Uh, we're just going to wait a couple minutes before we begin the show. Uh, we're just going to make sure everything's set and working and then uh, we're going to get it cracking for you guys. Let's yep. do it. Stay tuned. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. All right, sweet. Audio works. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, episode nine of The Hook and Ladder with Hardy and Oates. Just give me one second. Sweet. All right, guys, as always, we're going to start the show off uh, right now with the rapid rundown. The NFL draft is officially over. Who are the biggest winners and losers of the 2020 draft? And how did the 49ers and Seahawks do? Because that's what we personally care about between the two of us. Uh, if you guys have your teams you want to discuss uh, and you want to hear our opinions of how your teams did, go ahead and drop them in the comments below and we'll answer them during the fan uh, question segment. So yep. feel free to drop that in the live feed at the bottom. Also, the Michael Jordan documentary released episodes three and four. Uh, and so we can confirm that Dennis Rodman is not human, but <laughs> Garrison thinks he's actually clinically insane. So we'll talk about that as well. Defensive end Jadavion Clowney still continues to remain unsigned. Where will he land? The 49ers. Jameis Winston finally uh, has a home. The NBA is eyeing May 8th for teams to return to individual workouts in the cities with less strict stay-at-home orders. The Premier League is looking to open training facilities as early as tomorrow. Uh, Serie A or Serie A teams in Italy are set to resume training as, uh, soon as well. Uh, are sports coming back? They're coming back to life. We'd like to introduce our new fan mail segment, which we will do today. And finally, uh, Hardy and Oates will be having their next sports challenge this Friday. Stay tuned. Boom. The rapid rundown. Thank you, Oates. Uh, that brings us to this On This Day in Sports segment. And today, in honor of the Jordan documentary, we'd like to pay tribute to former Pistons point guard uh, Isaiah Thomas. He turns 59 today. Um, he played all 12 years in the league in Detroit. He averaged 19.2 points per game over his career there. Averaged nine assists per game for his career, which is probably the most important or most uh, impressive to me. And then on his best year, he averaged 21 points per game and 14 assists per game. So that was back in 84 and 85. Uh, and if I don't know who got to see or the uh, MJ documentary, but in episodes three and four, the Pistons were heavily highlighted in that, and it still appeared that MJ and Thomas have their disagreements and that icy relationship uh, that uh, was well documented during their time in the league. So yeah. uh, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, happy birthday to one of the all-time greats, Isaiah yeah. Thomas. Also, he was uh, obviously able to beat Larry Bird. Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan all uh, in their in their championship playing days. So that's a pretty incredible feat. Obviously, he didn't do it alone with the bad boys there, as we saw. Dennis mm -hmm. Rodman also can claim that he's done all of those things. Yep. And that man is from another planet. And Isaiah <laughs> also said, if not giving Michael Jordan a handshake was the reason he didn't make the dream team, he's just as disappointed today as he was then when he was not selected for the U.S. Olympic team. Right. Yeah. It just a interesting situation they, that's that's the all, do you think all they should have shook hands 
I I kind of see both sides of it. The episode oh. did a good job of framing what Thomas thought of it because you look back at the Celtics when they dethroned the Celtics. Um, the Celtics didn't shake their hands either. They walked off. Uh, and so Isaiah's point was, well, they did it. Yeah, we just thought it, we didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, but then I also saw Michael Jordan's side of it. He, uh, you know, he was very classy about it at, at both times after they got bounced from the Eastern Conference Finals by the Pistons. He was out there shaking their hands and congratulating them. So I personally see it from both sides, and I can understand Jordan's frustration about it, but I can also understand Isaiah saying, "You beat us. We're just getting off the floor." So yeah, I cannot see it both ways. Really? All. No, really. No. For me, it's 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 about the way that you win and the way that you lose says a lot about you, but the way that you lose says more. Mm. So um, to me, the fact that they that they would do that means to me, I don't know, I don't know, maybe. I just feel like it cements them as the worst, the worst attitude team ever. Like, you know, right. shake hands, be a professional. You had your moment in the sun. It's not like they stole something from you you've never experienced. They just got good enough to finally beat you. But I didn't like it. It made me dislike them heavily. Even though the Celtics did the same thing to them. Yeah, very no rude as well. I don't think that's okay. I think walking off the court before the game ends and you lose in this group of young kids is winning you need to go shake their hand and you need to take it on the chin you know what i mean but these people uh, that are walking off courts before they lose that personally to me is not the cloth i'm cut from I'm right gonna stay and shake hands um and i i agree with you i was just saying from uh their each individual's perspective i mm -hmm. saw where they were coming from uh but for me personally yeah i would have absolutely stayed on the court and shaken uh, their hands. I mean, you look at Jordan. He said it was personal. I hated them. So, yeah. and the fact that he stayed out there and still congratulated them, that just shows a lot about his character. Yeah. So, uh, in any case, we, we have more on that. We'll talk a little bit more about the uh, Jordan documentary a little bit later in this episode. But first, uh, we want to talk about the NFL draft. That happened, uh, and it was virtual, virtually done. Uh, and I thought overall it went pretty smoothly. Uh, it was definitely a weird scenario not seeing the guys walk up onto the stage after they've been selected, shaking Goodell's hand and, you know, posing for the picture and their families are there with them. Uh, definitely an interesting experience, but still, all in all, I think it went out pretty well. And uh, there were certainly some interesting selections. Um, but the trade came first. The trade came first. The trade came first yeah, before. You're I, right. Yeah. You're right. Shout out to you, uh who was that? Jason? Jason Hansen? I think so. He yeah. called it. So, um, but the some of the picks that really stood out to me, and uh, you can throw in whatever you want as well. Obviously, number one, Joe Burrow going to the Cincinnati Bengals as they hope to, you know, start their rebuild. Uh, they still got AJ Green there, um, but other than that, it just looks pretty desolate up there in Cincy. So we could uh, have. He could have some rough years starting out. Number two, uh, Washington. They uh, went with the edge rusher from Chase Young, or from Ohio State, Chase Young. Uh, good selection. I mean, he's a beast. It is yeah. what it is when you watch him in those Big Ten games. And uh, they had to devote two to three linemen to him uh, in their shifts quite a bit. Uh, number five, you, I think, thought this was a reach. Uh, the Miami Dolphins selecting two. Uh, Tago Hubbard, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that guy. 
uh, from Alabama, you know, especially with his injury concerns. Yeah. You thought that was a bit of a reach. I'll yeah. let you. I'll let you jump on that in a second. But one of the other really interesting ones for me was Philly selecting uh, quarterback Jalen Hurts uh, out of Oklahoma. So the the dual threat quarterback. Um, we'll see if he can translate throwing the ball to the NFL. But anyways, what are your thoughts on some of those picks? Yeah, I think for in my mind, uh, just two is. Injury, not just that injury. That injury was bad. I like to see the way he was moving um, in that 20-minute workout that he did with Trent Dilfer prior to the draft. I think that that was probably something that swayed the Dolphins to pull the trigger on Tua. Um, I I would have picked Hurts above Tua. I, if I were the Dolphins, I would have picked Hurts. That because, early? Yeah, just because for me, for me, the guy is the guy is a winner and. No matter where he went, he was a winner. And you could say that he wasn't the best passer at Alabama, but that's not what they asked him to do. And with one season at Oklahoma, he's putting up Baker Mayfield, and I don't like Baker Mayfield, but he was good in college, and Kyler Murray numbers while at Oklahoma. So while that speaks to Oklahoma's system, I think that he is a. I think that he has the ability to pass at high volumes without making a lot of mistakes. His ability to learn new systems is something that he obviously showed with coming in with only one summer and one spring under his belt with Oklahoma. He was able to do everything that he did in that season. And for me, Tua came into Alabama through to the most talented wide receiver core, possibly, possibly ever in college. Right mm-hmm. um, with with rugs. Uh, and just like I don't, I didn't think Tua. Was, I didn't think the fall off between Tua and Jalen was that big. Just when you saw uh, Tua get hurt and uh, Jalen come in and, and lead them to victory, and then vice versa the other way around as well. Sure. So well, here's what I'll say. I when I watched Jalen Hurts at Alabama, he was 100% a game manager. Uh, throwing the ball, please go ahead, do it. Uh, when Tua came onto the scene, he he could do it all. You know, he could throw the ball, keep defenses honest to where they wouldn't just stack the box. And uh, granted, Alabama won either way a lot of the time with Hurts, you know, given that he wasn't as strong passing. Now, I will say when he went to Oklahoma um, under the leadership there, uh, the coaching staff there, which has obviously uh, found their niche with regards to their offensive schemes, uh, he flourished. Uh, he... Yeah. Guys were open left and right, and he could just deliver the ball. And then his running ability, too, just made him that more of a threat. Um, so I I do see Hurt stock went way up in his time in Oklahoma, so that was a good move for him. But for me, I think Tua has the intangibles to me just look a lot more polished. Now, the injury concerns I hear where you're coming from, they're big ones, that's for sure. So this is a huge risk. But for me, I think the ceiling might be a lot, a lot higher for Tua, uh, with regards to the intangibles he brings, the leadership qualities he brings. Not that Hurts doesn't. Um, yeah, I think, and especially when you look back at that championship game, he stepped up into when Hurts uh, got pulled. I, what did he get hurt? No, they just benched they just him. benched him. Uh, as he steps up into that game, into that spotlight, and just shreds the opposing team. Yeah, and then since then has had two ankle surgeries, a f- surgery on his throwing hand, and uh, dislocated his hip, fractured his hip, and had surgery on his hip. And so things have not sure. been good uh, as far as the body. But, no, Tua, 
good guy, uh, good kid, excited to see what he can do with Miami. I do, th- sadly, uh, I think that it's just a matter of time before Carson Wentz gets hurt, so we'll see what Jalen can do. Yeah, yeah, two injury-prone quarterbacks we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, now, there was some chatter about uh, one of the teams in particular with regards to uh, their draft picks, and that was the Green Bay Packers. Um, so I've got some commentary here courtesy of ESPN. Uh, the selection of Jordan Love in the 2020 NFL Draft signified that the end of the Aaron Rodgers era with Green Bay Packers might come sooner than anyone, including the two-time NFL MVP figured. Then, when Rodgers' team ignored the perceived receiver need in a record draft at the position, they they skipped 27 really good wide receiver prospects in the first five rounds alone, I think. Um, uh, it suggested a concerted change to the offense. Uh, so some of the things people are saying is these are not Rodgers Packers anymore. They're Matt LaFleur's, uh, at least in terms of how the second-year coach wants to play. Um Here's another question: Could the Packers ever consider moving Aaron Rodgers? And uh, he's got I a few would. years left on he his deal. He hasn't done anything since the first two years since since Brett left, at least playoff wise. He's got a massive contract as well, um, which he wonders why they're not able to go out and get some other weapons. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I believe one of our top fans, Caleb, mentioned that on the post earlier this week. The fact that. He does require so much money, it makes it tough to go get weapons. But you could argue getting weapons in the draft is the cheapest way to do it. Right, right. So is this more of an attitude thing? Is is the Green Bay organization just kind of fed up with Rodgers? they're rebuilding. They're they're just ready for that time. Yeah. They're ready to rebuild. Which is weird to say for a team that went 13-3 and and was knocking on the door before the San Francisco game uh, in the playoffs. So uh, they beat a very good Seattle team, too. Yeah, in the in the playoffs. Granted, they were at Lambeau, and they always have success there. But um, and the way they won was different than they normally play. I felt mm-hmm. was way different. I didn't think I didn't see the Seahawks losing that way. Me neither. That was kind of a crappy game for uh, myself. But uh, you know, any, anyways, we. I think uh, yeah, we're about to see some big changes got, coming out of Green Bay. Oh yeah, we've got some fans saying here that. Uh, uh, Eric, Caleb Fever says that his ego and attitude is awful, and from what I read, is the coach is already over him, and it's a power move. I I could see it, just like I was saying. I, maybe the organization's kind of like, no, we're going to do what we want and prepare ourselves for life after you, um, because as soon as you're gone, we want to have something in place. Now, I'm not sure that the quarterback they selected was the one I would go with personally. Um, Jordan Love. Uh, what do you think? Um, I think that he's a, I think that he's got great mechanics, good throwing motion, uh, a good NFL body. As far as nowadays, you know, not everybody's looking for like a six four Ben Roethlisberger anymore, sure. which is nice for medium sized quarterbacks like myself. Um, but <laughs> uh, to be honest, Kurt, like Kurt Warner said, he sees everything that he sees in Aaron Rodgers. He sees in in their draft pick, which I disagree with. Um, but okay. uh, I just, just like Jordan Love is a good player, I just don't think that, I don't know. I don't think you 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 draft Aaron Rodgers' replacement at that spot. You, it would have to be like later on, maybe after you've had some down years and you get a chance at like a first-round pick, or even 
like like you said, move Aaron Rodgers this year and be in the running for um, Trevor Lawrence next year. Mm. That would be my my plan. Is but maybe they. But we don't know. We weren't a part of the interview process. Um, maybe Lafleur sees something that like, hey, this is my guy. Um, and uh, yeah, we can commentate on these things all we want, but in the end, we're not in those meetings. We're not in right. those draft meetings. We're not in the the team war room or anything like that. Uh, we just commentate on what we see, just like I guess everybody else. But um, I saw an interesting picture, and I shared it to the page. Uh, it was uh, Aaron Rodgers in Patriots getup. What do you think of something like that? I would hope that the Packers would not do that to the NFL, <laughs> because if you do that, it is essentially just going to continue what the Patriots are able to do as far as playoff success. I am deathly afraid of of. Aaron Rodgers in a Patriots uniform. I, but you know that brings up the whole ego thing. Do you think I don't? I don't. Part of me thinks Bill Belichick would be like, no. I feel I like I Bill Belichick's to. ability just sitting in a room shrinks egos. Because even Antonio Brown, though he got kicked off the Patriots for different reasons, I'm sure in the room with Belichick, he wasn't acting like he he acted on Facebook Live. You know what I mean? Right. He would never dare because this is Bill Belichick. So. I think he has the the scary old man factor to just be like, all right, you know, chill out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess time will tell. You've got some other thoughts on the Patriots. We'll get to that a little bit later um, in the show. But first, I want to talk about Jadavian Clowney, uh, def- uh, the defensive end for my Seahawks currently. But he's looking to get paid at $17 million to $18 million a year. Is he worth that kind of money? In my opinion, the stats would say no. Um, let me just pull up uh, pro football reference here. He has yet to have a 10-sack season in his career. Coming into the league, he was an injury concern, and uh, he certainly lived up to that uh, as he's had to miss quite a bit of time. Uh, he's getting close to his 30s. Um, yeah, let me see here. What was the season where he missed a ton of time? If your internet was any better, that'd be nice. No, I'm just trying to pull this up here. Yeah, so uh, four games in 2014. uh, Didn't record anything. He started two games in that. Uh, Most recently with the Seahawks. Granted, um, that was kind of an odd year for him. uh, Just kind of getting signed later into the year, if I'm not mistaken. He started 11 games out of those 13. Um, He only recorded three sacks, though, in that time. He did have an interception, which was awesome. But the most sacks he's ever had uh, was at the age of 24 back in 2017 with nine and a half sacks. Um, For me, when I see those numbers and his whole MO out of college was he was just a beast. He was a dominant defensive lineman. So when I saw the Texans pair him with J.J. Watt, I was stoked. It's like this is going to be a good show, and then they bring in Vince Wilfork as well. Uh, some big name guys in that front group for the Texans, and he's still not able to put up any big numbers. Yeah, like come on, maybe that's a, maybe that's indicative of the num- the wealth was getting shared, yeah. but JJ Watt was still able to do his thing. Um, it could be schematics too. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I don't think that that Texans defense ever lived up to what they should be. Oh sure. And then, um, just thinking, thinking back, 
of to like Legion of Boom days, who was your DN then, and did they average over ten sacks for Seattle? And uh, like, has is Seattle known for edge rushers? You know, they might just be trying to get hurries and force throws into their into their defense, their secondary, right? But I mean, it just it just goes to show that like some some teams just schematically, I, I you could you could argue that the 49ers don't have the name power that those Texans used to have. But I agree with you that he just doesn't seem to be living up, whether it is scheme or not. It just doesn't doesn't seem to be worth the money. Right. I mean, you look at the the stats in general in his time with Seattle. He had uh, 31 combo tackles, 21 solo, 10 assisted, seven tackles for loss. That is. 14 off the pace of that year in 2017. Um, everything across the board is just down. And for him to come out and ask for $17, $18 million when other teams are looking to spread that money elsewhere, and you got young up-and-comers like Joey Bosa, um, the other Bosa brother, Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa uh, and now Chase Young entering the league and people waiting to see what he does. I don't know. It's a tough... That's a tough ask if yeah. I'm him. Um, it's a little too early for me. I think that the D lineman's time is coming for sure to get big, big money, especially with the way that the 49ers were built last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think. Yeah, too early. I think I would still love to have him in Seattle, but if we aren't able to get a deal done, where do you think a guy like Jadavian Clowney would fit in next year? Yeah, I could see him like. On the on the Vikings defense, I think that he would mm-hmm. be good in on on the Vikings Everson defense. Griffin, Daniil Hunter. Mm-hmm. I could see him on the Rams. Um, you know they've got a lot of star power. Obviously, um, Aaron Donald, uh, Clay Matthews, and Jadavion Clowney would be a great you know a great group of guys right there. There's a lot of teams I could see him with. Um, I personally think that he's probably going to stay in Seattle, but. If I were Seattle, I'd lock him down just to see what we could do. But right now, it feels like you're paying for a name. You know, you're paying for the the idea of what he could have been in the draft, and it just never has come to be. Kind of like Jimmy Graham has been being paid for what he originally did with Drew Brees for about the last five to ten, not ten, but the last five years, Jimmy Graham has right. been being paid for what he did as a saint. Yeah, and um, even now, he gets that $8 million per year deal out of Chicago. Right. I kind of scratched my head yeah, over that. Yeah, he's being paid for the past, and I feel like that's Jadavion Clowney wants to be paid for. For that hit yeah. at South Carolina, that yeah. one play. That, that, that sold that him. Game. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. So you're saying he's more of a, he needs to rely on the yeah, unit. It could, yeah, it could be the system. I mean, it could be the system. We could see him go into a different defensive scheme where – uh, they find ways to get him in a lot of one-on-one situations. Now, he probably had a lot of one-on-one situations in Texas uh, just because of J.J. Watt and Wilfork. Those guys require help as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I just think that he's a good player. I don't think that he's a liability to your team, but I don't think he's worth that much money. I agree. So uh, we're just going to have to wait and see who pulls the trigger. The market has been for him has been steadily dropping. So his asking price early on, I think, was $20 million or higher, uh, according to sources I read. Uh, but it has since dipped down closer to $17 million, maybe now even going lower as the weeks continue to move along. So uh, market for Jadavian Clowney, not so hot right now. Uh, a quarterback we had been wondering about finally came off the board. Jameis Winston inked a uh, deal with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he also reportedly had a more lucrative offer from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if you're Jameis Winston, 
would you do you think going to New Orleans was probably the better option? Yeah, I think that one. Um, the, he's got a lot of uh, growing up to do as far as decision making in the pocket. Obviously, made a lot of mistakes last year, throwing the ball into coverages that just leave you scratching your head. Uh, some of those situations, some of those interceptions, um, really backbreaking for that team uh, because they overall they were a pretty dynamic offense. They were able to produce points. Um, I like Jameis Winston's arm talent. Um, his decision making is not something that I'm totally for, but there's plenty of other quarterbacks um, that I would uh, leave off the list and take Jameis. And so for me, going under Drew Brees, who's who's most likely going to be able to continue to play the whole season. Um, you know, knock on wood, love love the guy, want to see him play and be successful until the, his career is over, whenever that is. But with that said, he's going to get the opportunity to learn and grow. Teddy Bridgewater was not the quarterback last year that we saw in Minnesota. Though he did well in Minnesota, it seems like being around Drew Brees helped him be able to take that team and go 9-2, and two, I believe, when Drew Brees was injured. So going to, going to the Saints, I think, is a good move for him. Going to the Steelers, you don't see a lot of people go to the Steelers in their game elevate. Michael Vick did the same thing behind Ben Roethlisberger, and his game did not elevate. Now, Granted, he was at the tail end of his career. But Jameis Winston looking to do, I think, a little bit of what Teddy did is go sit under Drew Brees, and if he gets injured, be called upon and just be a part of a good system that's already successful. When it's when you're a quarterback and you go to a system that's going to be contingent upon you and you're not um, that next-level guy, it becomes very obvious. Um, kind of like how we've seen uh, you know, Joe Flacco leave the Ravens and then what? Nothing. Because right. it's the Ravens. You know what I mean? The Ravens was a great franchise, not necessarily Joe. So that's my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you as far as which team to select. I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, offensively they've always been a threat. They've always been talented. you got James Conner in the backfield. They've always got a bevy of receivers to throw the ball to. They just picked up another solid tight end um, this year, and they, they already had Jesse James as well. Um, so offensively, they're great. Uh, but then you look at the defensive side of the ball, and that's where the questions start to come into play a little bit. Um, so for me, the Steelers, they, they're, they have some good pieces on the defensive side. Offensively, they've got some good pieces. But when you look at the Saints, or in comparison to the Saints, uh, the Saints just they have a team that is ready right now mm. to, once again, pursue a Super Bowl and that unfortunately last year they kind of ran into some bad luck uh, questionable call in the end zone where Kyle Rudolph may have pushed off in the end zone against the Vikings back to back years they've run into interesting officiating stuff so but that, they would have ran into us anyways sure buzzsaw <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know I think uh, Kansas anyway. City has something else to say about that I, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything but you brought it up no um, so, yeah, Drew Brees still has two years left. Um, signed a two-year, $50 million deal. Who knows, maybe this is his last year. He's just kind of taking it year-by-year basis at this point. If he still enjoys the game, he's going to come back. Uh, and, like, I I think if I'm Jameis and I see Drew Brees and Big Ben, who do I want to learn from? I'm going to pick Drew Brees mm, yeah. every time. Uh, Big Ben is a great quarterback, um, but... I would much rather be tutored by a guy like Drew Brees. That's just me. Um, you look at Jameis's numbers, a lot of these, I think, is because he played for Tampa Bay. 
he doesn't have a great supporting cast around him. He may, he's 28 and 42 in his career. It's thrown 61% completion percentage, uh, which goes to show that he does have arm talent. Uh, 121 touchdowns, 88 picks. Um, I think 60 of them coming last year alone. Um, no, 30, but still. <laughs> um, so he's put up some good numbers. So yeah, I think uh, this was a great move on his part, uh, even if it's less money. And I think he's only 26 right now. So say Drew Brees stays those two years, he's still in his prime. And yeah. he could have many more successful years by waiting patiently on the sidelines. And another thing to consider, too, is the where when you take the reins over, hypothetically, right, in Jameis Winston's mind, he has to believe he's going to take over eventually to whatever team he goes to. When he takes over and he starts to have playoff success, what will be the environment in which he'll be playing? Playing inside of a dome in New Orleans, possibly one of the hardest places to play, you know what I mean? Um, but he doesn't have to deal with any of the weather. He doesn't. And if you Pittsburgh's go to Pittsburgh, awful yeah, you've got <laughs> yeah, you've got to play in October in the snow. You know, you've possibly got games, home games that are going to be bad weather-wise, and it really just behooves him as a someone who's always played in Florida, you know, even back to his college days, to just go somewhere that weather's not going to be an issue for him. Yeah, I think uh, with a team like Pittsburgh, it takes kind of a, a special person mentally to be like, yeah, I'm going to go up there. Yeah. Uh, just a storied franchise, you know, they're known for the steel curtain. Um, I think it takes a certain mentality, and I don't think Jameis would have fit in up there. So yeah, I agree. As you know, weather that I think that's an underrated factor to consider. So another quarterback we want to talk about. This one is near and dear to my heart. As a fellow redhead, Andy Dalton has been released by the Cincinnati Bengals, seeing as they drafted uh, Joe Burrow number one. What do you think of this move? If you're a Bengals fan, you I don't understand the point of releasing him now. But for the rest of the NFL, I think it's a good thing. Sure. Um, for Andy Dalton, I think it's a good thing. That man has been needing a fresh start for so, so long. He's the only weapon he's had since TJ Hushamanzada, you know what I mean, has been A.J. Green. And A.J. Green has been very open about saying, I'm not wanting to be here. You know, I don't – I want to be moved. So – who, and he now just got franchise tagged, so I'm sure Again, he's happy. <laughs> yeah, he's super pumped. Um, but for me, I think that it's a it's a I don't understand letting him go right now. I think that keeping him just in case of injury and just as a from a mentor standpoint, he's been in the NFL for a long time, and there's just certain things that nothing can teach you except time. Right in, in the NFL, so. We'll have to wait and see what happens with the Bengals. I don't see Joe Burrow as the savior. I don't see them having a winning record. I see them having a high draft pick again next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see how they continue to build from here. Yeah. I'm excited for Andy Dalton. Yeah, as am I. You know, I. It's like you said, he needed a fresh start. Just, I think when you think Andy Dalton, unfortunately, because he was with a, a coach like Marvin Lewis, who's a great defensive mind, um, they just could not get the job done when it counted. And so he's got that reputation hanging around, uh, you know, mentally probably, as mm-hmm. much as he uh, stays very professional about the way he goes about things. Uh, and he's had some very good years there. There was a year where he threw for 33 touchdowns, over 4,000 yards. Uh, this guy can play. Yeah. And now he is former All Pro. Former All Pro. 
Uh, he's basically he's played a fourteen or excuse me, he's he's been pretty solid with regards to injury concerns. There's the lowest amount he's ever played was eleven, and that was two years ago. Um, so he's been through a lot of major battles. Um, and yeah, I, it's just unfortunate that he's been tied to a franchise like that that just could not get success come playoff time, even though they had the roster to do it. Uh, a lot of the time. So for me, um, I think this is great for him. I think it's uh, it needed to be done. Um, I don't think it's a good move for Cincy. I think they're, if I was them, I would hold on to him. And I would f- frankly tell him, look, I want to move you on. I think you deserve to go do your thing. But right now, what happens if Burrow got hurt or mm-hmm. something like that? Um, so I would just keep him there as insurance policy, which, you know, it's selfish, but it's a business. Um, but they could just want Joe to know, Joe Burrow to know, you're the guy. Right. There's no backup plan. You're the guy. Which having the confidence of a franchise does things for someone. Just knowing that um, not every one of your decisions is whether or not you get to maintain your starting role. Right. It gives you the freedom and the ability to uh, have confidence and step out and make plays that you would maybe – not do if your job was on the line. Yeah, I think he is. Peyton Manning's already reached out to him about this and said, "You're going to have a rough year. <laughs> Let's be real. You are going to. There are going to be times where uh, you're not having fun." But um, I digress. Anyways, where do you think would be a good spot for a guy like the Red Rocket? I would love to see him on the Patriots. I think that he would be a great fit for the Patriots. I'm not sold uh, on. The, their quarterback Stidham. situation right now. Yeah, Jared Stidham. I'm not sold on that. Um, I wasn't sold on him coming in, into the NFL in the first place. Uh, I think that being Tom Brady's backup is probably the least pressure job in the world. Um, but some people have been able to display their talent while still being that position or that role. He hasn't had the opportunity like uh, Jacoby Percet or Jimmy G now with the 49ers. But yeah, I would love to see him with the Patriots. I would love to even see him sign in kind of a Jameis situation with – I don't see Big Ben playing a full season. I just don't. The guy is not healthy, hasn't been able to do it for the last couple of years. The fact that he has not retired blows my mind. Mm. He's not mobile. He's not the problem taking down in the pocket that he used to be. And uh, I don't see Big Ben playing a full season because the reality of the situation is if the Steelers have another a losing season, he's going to lose his job. I think Mike right. Tomlin's job is on the hot seat. So um, I'd like to see him go to the Steelers. I'd like to see him stay in the AFC. I don't want to deal with him because I do think he's a good quarterback. Um, right. So I'd like to see him on some, a team like that. Right. Wouldn't that be funny? He goes to Pittsburgh, and uh, he wins some playoff games in Pittsburgh. Since he would be thinking, what? what? Well, the the problem is Cincinnati is in the mirror, (laughs) you know. They they need to take a page out of uh, Madden's book and relocate to a different city and change their jerseys and just uh, start all over, in my opinion. But that's just me. I digress. Cincinnati's a great sports town, Um, you know, the the Reds there. So, but yeah, their ownership has not done well. I don't think from since they were on hard knocks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Back in the early two thousands, it seems like yeah, um, mid the yeah mid to late two thousands. Anyways, two of our fans also agreed with our synopsis. Basically, um, Dylan Scott and Caleb, uh, we saw you guys um, both 
brought up good points. They saw him as more of a mentor thing. Uh, but he's moving on. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh it's time for fan mail. Yeah. This is our new segment that we're uh, <clears throat> bringing to the hook and ladder here. And uh, the one I saw yesterday was from uh, Jason Hansen. His question was best and worst of the draft. So who do you think was the best of the NFL draft with regards to picks? Yeah, I think that the... Or maneuvers. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, for me, I think that the best pick is a pretty obvious pick. I think that the Washington Redskins getting Chase Young is going to prove to be the most valuable, the MVP right away. of the draft, um, yeah. in my opinion. He's going to show, He's I I think he's going to be a, a Hall of Famer. Um, he's incredible when you just, he just jumps off the tape. You look at him and you're just like, are they going to try and block him or not? Like what, <laughs> He played less games. Uh, and still broke the record, the sack record at Ohio State. And it's just – and he – even through, uh, you know, obviously someone paying for his girlfriend to come watch him play football, and he was suspended for that, which is garbage in my opinion. Um, but he just showed good character all the way through. He has never once turned and pointed a finger at a corrupt institution like the NCAA. He's just a good guy. I think it's going to turn out to be the best pick. And then what I think is going to be the worst pick – and this, uh, I mean, this is probably not that controversial, but I think that the Packers taking love is the worst pick. It's by far the worst pick in my mind. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm with, uh, I'm with you too on the uh, first, uh, on the second pick. I think the Redskins are going to get an immediate. Um, they're going to get to cash in immediately on uh, Young's talent, um, basically because he's so good at what he does. And uh, just go get the quarterback. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have to worry about uh, learning a playbook like a quarterback does. Uh, he Obviously, with, on the defensive line, you've got a few different techniques, and then you've got a few stunts and whatnot you, could, you have to learn. But other than that, it's just about beating the guy across from you. And that is what he has done uh, throughout his college days, and I think we're going to see a lot of it in uh, the NFL as well. Um, so, yeah. As far as right now, definitely the Redskins. Uh, the worst, I would say the Packers. I'm with you up there. But I'd also say the Texans. Maybe not so much for the draft, even though I did question uh, what the wide receiver they took just because he's so raw. Uh, that was Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island. Uh, fifth round, 171st overall. I, I guess I just didn't see the, the point in it. Uh, but it's Bill O'Brien's general management the way he's wearing the hat right now the general manager the moves he's made um he's got his quarterback his star quarterbacks unhappy with him i think the texans are in a heap of trouble right now uh and they i mean i i think they made some solid draft picks as well especially um in the second round uh you know that they made a a nice selection there landing a, a black lock in the second I think that was a steal. He's got huge upside in it as a projected first rounder, so that was a good one. Uh, but other than that, it's just a. It looked like they're focusing on you know, twenty twenty one, that two years from now, um, and I don't think that's what the fans want. Considering they had the roster talent to easily win their division, and now they're kind of in this state of, oh my gosh, are we gonna? Yeah, be they blew the a lead, and then they blew their team apart. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I'm not impressed at all with the Texans. And, uh, yeah, I, I have to give them a pretty crappy grade as well. 
Yeah, um, but I, speaking of just overall management of a team, I was super excited. Uh, Trent Williams signed by the 49ers, just trading uh, some draft picks for him. Obviously, a longtime pro bowler, incredible left tackle. The actually to replace oh, Joe yeah, Staley. Yeah, to replace Staley yeah. as he's retired and has uh, said that he's got interest in, in remaining a part of the organization and, want, and is already talking to management about a job um, mm. inside the 49ers, so whatever that may look like. But... I mean, replacing a pro bowler with a pro bowler, he's actually the second highest rated left tackle from last season, only behind Staley. So for the 49ers to be able to do that and maintain a strong offensive line and continue our running game um, and to be able to move, we just had too many running backs. It's just the way that we just, it's the way it shook out. We just had way too many. And to be able to move Brita and get get some stuff back for him as well. Um, and hopefully he has success in Miami. We loved him having him, but I think the 49ers have done an amazing job this offseason. Maybe training a, a Pro Bowl D-tackle to draft a D-tackle might be interesting, but we did get another pick for that. Right. Um, so, yeah, so while we're on the topic, how do you think your 49ers did in the draft as a whole? I would probably say B plus, A minus. I think, um, obviously... Paying paying Buckner would have been really hard. You know right. what I mean? With all the talent um, on that defensive front, Bose is gonna get but his. Yeah, we he wasn't even playing he wasn't playing every snap either. We didn't need him to play every snap. We had really good defensive rotation. We have Solomon Thomas who's going into a contract year. We didn't pick up his fifth year option, which is not to say that we don't want him, but it's to say, dude, play for it. Like mm-hmm. you haven't had the chance to play for it. Now Buckner's gone, a rookie is coming. Solomon, this is your time as a defensive tackle. This is your moment to step into the light and say, I'm worth the money. Right. Um, so it's time for the 49ers to find out if Solomon Thomas is worth the money. And uh, I think that um, uh, we're, we're still going to be fine. I, I think we did great. I think I feel good about this year. And we're still number one in the NFC for power rankings. So Right, yeah, right, because power rankings matter. They did, they uh, did last year. We went all <laughs> the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I think my Seahawks... I would give them a B minus to a B plus or to a B. Sorry, um, I think the the first pick, the Texas Tech run stopper pick, that got a lot of flack. Uh, I didn't. We have a pretty good linebacking core, so I guess I didn't really see the need to add maybe just depth purposes so he could rotate in and out, and get some valuable experience and guidance in that way. Uh, especially because we brought back Bruce Irvin, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So it's kind of like. <laughs> We're pretty loaded at that spot. We've got uh, you know, Bobby Wagner, easily the best linebacker in the game. You've got uh, KJ Wright, who's a solid support to him. And then uh, you've also got uh, Kendricks as well. So those three alone. Then you add in Bruce Irvin, who's more of an edge rusher, but can still drop back. He's just that athletic. I guess I didn't really see the need for the linebacker there. But then we go out and get an excellent offensive tackle from LSU, who I think hey, we got to protect our asset in Russell Wilson. Um, They drafted a few good, uh, solid linemen, I thought, that could translate. And then we got some big-bodied receivers. One of them was actually a tight end from LSU who could translate to a a, a bigger-bodied slot guy. And Mm. I think he's going to match up well with DK Metcalf, who showed a ton of potential and is likely going to be a pro bowler for a long time to come. That dude is a beast. Yeah. <laughs> I am not happy that you guys got him. Oh, I am. at the, uh, In the 70, 78th round, I think. Uh, not round, but 78th pick. 
superhuman you know, on the football field. He just field. needs to work on his size and athleticism. No. Oh, does he? <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, all in all, I thought it was a solid solid draft class, um, and hopefully that gets us to beat the 49ers. We'll see. It will not. Whatever. We'll, what's we'll your super? That. What's your way, 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 way too early Super Bowl predictions? Seahawks and no, <laughs> uh, gosh, you guys are set up very well again. Um, I think it's going to be. I'll it's going to come down to you and the Saints, I think, in okay. the NFC. And hopefully, Drew gets hurt and Jameis throws thirty picks in one game. That's just what I expect from a 49ers <laughs> fan, hoping for something classless <laughs> like that. Man, uh, in that uh, case, I'm going with the Saints versus. Uh, Tampa Bay. No, I don't know who's coming out of the AFC. Saints versus Tampa Bay. I don't know who's coming out of the AFC. That's way too You early. don't know who's coming out of the AFC? I think that the Chiefs are going to win for a oh, while. Oh, the Chiefs. That's right. That's right. I think the Chiefs go are going to win for a while. I think we are. We may be looking at a run here. I could see Chiefs and Saints or Chiefs and Niners again. Yeah, I think it's going to be a rematch. Chiefs and Niners. Or if it's not the Niners, I don't think that – if it's not the Niners, sadly, I'm probably going to say that – It'll probably be Tampa Bay. I don't know. I hate no Tom Brady. I hate him. I no, don't want him in the playoffs. Stop, if he gets in the playoffs, it's dangerous. It. No, it's not going to be Tampa Bay. I'm just kidding. Get out of here. No, it's probably going to be us. Whatever. We'll see. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> Caleb had a question for us uh, in uh, the fan mail section. He asked, and this is a, we're going away from the NFL. We're going to across the pond to the other football, soccer. If you can get any player to transfer to your soccer team, that's Chelsea, Tottenham, who would you want? Let's answer it two ways. How about that? Okay. You get one guy in their prime. Okay. And then you get one guy from right now. What do you think? Uh, In their prime, I'd probably go with Ronaldo. Cristiano? I mean, he's just... I would go with Messi. Messi's Messi's great. But for me, I just Ronaldo. It's undeniable. I don't know. He's just that talented. Uh, he can do it all. Um, he's still with... doing it to this day at Juventus. So for me, I'd I'm pick Ronaldo. Back, if I'm picking right now, I would go with Gareth Bale. Uh, and it, would he come in and dominate? No, I don't think that. But I think he is a. He started. He, that's where he got big. Is at Tottenham. So. Um, to have him bring him back from Real, where he's just rotting away on the bench, and bring him into a so situation. your if I could pick anybody, your I would pick anybody is someone on somebody's bench. Real is not utilizing him. I mean, we saw what we, he did a few years ago in that uh, UCL champion Champions League title against uh, Liverpool. He single handedly won that game. So I think if he goes to a place where he can go back to you know his one of a big role. Or at least get regular playing time. I think he's still got the talent to be a very effective player. So, yeah, I would go with Gareth, and because he played at Tottenham. So come on, right? That's more of a that's more of an emotional thing, I would say. Yeah, for me, current player, uh, obviously very tempting Mbappe. just to take Harry Kane. What? Yeah, just to take him from you. Is that <laughs> how good would that feel? Whatever. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It's a tough one. Uh, maybe Mohamed Salah from Liverpool. He's good. He had a lot of goals last year. Um, I would for me. I'm I'm always going to go with a striker just because. Mm. 
Just turn up, dude. It's all about the flash, yeah. baby. Yeah, we but, saw that in our FIFA challenge. Yeah, I love goals. That's why I let you score so many. Right. I would also <laughs> say Kylian Mbappe, just because he's he's probably going to be the one of the best of all time to ever do it, and he's so young from PSG. So I would throw Kylian in there as well. But anyways, hope that answers your question, Caleb. Yeah. Uh, why don't you comment below who you would have brought into Man United? And yeah. considering you have such a large transfer budget, uh, you can buy basically whoever you want, even though it doesn't sound like you're going to get Sancho right now. He likes right your now. picks. Caleb says he likes your picks. Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah. No, drop, our live feed is down. Drop a comment and let us know. Our live feed's down? Down. It's down, bro. Like we're not live on Facebook right now? Not right now. Uh-oh. You went black. We just went so long the battery died. No. The show just ended. No. Never. Will it come right back? No, it's like it's like off right now. Will it come back? Jeez. Now we're starting back with Anchor. We're just going to wrap up on Anchor and uh, our Facebook. audio through Facebook. Just a great way to end the show. Uh, so the big announcement, we're going to do a Madden challenge. We've already done NBA 2K. We've already done FIFA. We're throwing in Madden. Seahawks versus Niners. Seahawks going to get the dub, likely. Um, yeah. So... Sorry we have to end it this way. Uh, we weren't expecting this. But in any case, stay tuned for future episodes. Uh, like and follow us. Share this stream. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Google Play Music. You can find us on iTunes and a whole bevy of others. Oats, do you have anything? I'd just like to say thank you to all the fans. Thank you for your questions. Stay tuned for some uh, good and even better content coming your way. We apologize for the camera mix-up here on Facebook. We'll be ready to rock next time. Um, but we're excited that things are just, honestly, for our program, they're just getting better and better, slowly but surely. Yep. Um, we're just two people that are really passionate about sports, and if you're passionate about sports, this is a place to be. Send your questions. Always send your comments. We're always listening, and we are always would love to interact uh, with you guys. Uh, so thanks for listening to The Hook and Ladder. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you uh, tomorrow at some point for the Madden Challenge. Take care. Peace.